0: I want you to turn to one another and share your favorite Christmas song with each other. And just tell them why it's your favorite Christmas song and share that for just a couple minutes and then we'll keep going. Tonight, in our time together, I want to talk about one more Christmas song. And it's a song we usually don't think about as a song of Christmas. It's actually found in the book of Revelation, the last book of the entire Bible. It was written by a man named John. He was one of Jesus' three best friends. And after Jesus had died on a cross, risen from the dead, and then ascended into heaven where he is right now, John was given a glimpse of what was going on in heaven. And it's at that point that we find this song. And so, I'm sure there are many songs sung in heaven, but if you've wondered what song is sung in heaven on Christmas, if you have a loved one who is no longer with you and you are wondering, I wonder what they're doing this Christmas in heaven, this is one of the songs they're singing. It's found in Revelation 5. And I thought maybe just to honor God's word and join the chorus that is being sung right now in heaven. We could stand together and read this from Revelation 5. So would you stand one more time and join me as we read God's word. This is Revelation 5. It says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand, singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise, and honor, and glory, and power forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. And you still might be sitting there saying, Man, Brian, those don't sound like Christmas lyrics. And at first glance, you'd be absolutely right. But I think what happens at Christmas time is we can get so focused on Jesus as a baby, because babies are cute, we just forget why Jesus came to this earth as a baby. And as I've read this scripture over and over, I, I am convinced that in this song, particularly the first line, we find the meaning of Christmas. But to better understand it, what I want to spend our time together doing tonight in the next few minutes, is answering three questions. Who is the lamb in this song? Why is he called a lamb? And why was he slain? And why is he worthy? I guess that's four questions, but those are the questions we're going to look at. So first, who is the lamb in this song of Christmas? The word lamb is used 28 times in the book of Revelation, and it always points to Jesus. It always points to Jesus. This verse very well could read, Worthy is Jesus who was slain. The picture of the lamb is used other places in the New Testament about Jesus as well. If you remember John the Baptist, when he first came on the scene and he's baptizing, Jesus shows up in the crowd and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is referred to time and time again as a lamb. And when the word lamb is used... Most of the time, it carries with it an association of innocence and purity. Let's remember that, because we're going to come back to that. It carries with it an association of innocence and purity. So the answer to the first question tonight, who is the lamb? It's Jesus. Worthy is Jesus, who was slain. Now, the second, third question, why is Jesus called a lamb, and why was the lamb slain? And that takes a little bit more time. And the answer to that is central to the entire story of the Bible. It's a story we are all part of. The story starts with God. The songs in the last book of the Bible, the story starts in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. It starts with a good God who is holy and perfect and created everything, including people. God created you. All of us in this room tonight, God created you and you are made in the image of God. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus or believe in God, God created you and gave you life. You are made in his image. And that means that God loves you and you have infinite worth to him, if you've ever wondered that. And the reason you were created, the reason you're created in the image of God is so that you can be in a relationship with him, as Eric said, now. And forever. And in Genesis, that first book of the Bible, people were made perfect. No hurt, no tears, no sickness, no pain, no heartache, no death. Listen to this. This is really, really important. It was always God's plan that his innocent children would live with him forever. That was always his plan. But Adam and Eve sinned against God And we've been sinning ever since. The Bible actually calls us sheep that have gone our own way. Grown-up lambs who have gone our own way and lost our innocence. You and I have sinned just like Adam and Eve. We've made other things more important than we've made God. And we've all done this. We just know it to be true. I do this every day. And because God hates sin and he's holy and perfect... Sin has separated us with God forever. We are no longer his innocent children, and we can no longer be with him. The Bible tells us the Apostle Paul, who called himself the worst of all sinners, you think you're bad? This guy was bad. He said the wages of sin is death. What we have earned for our sin is death, and not just physical death, but spiritual death and eternal death. There was nothing Adam and Eve could do to fix their relationship with God, and there's nothing we can do. You can't give enough money away. You can't read the Bible enough. You can't come to church enough. You can't be nice enough. You can't be good-looking enough. You you can't be good enough because good doesn't get you to heaven. And if this was the end of the story, this would be the most miserable Christmas Eve message you've ever heard in your life. It would seem like there's no hope and no way for us to get back to God. No restoring our innocence. But this is where the significance of the lamb comes in. In the Old Testament, before Jesus was born, the only way God allowed people's sins to be covered was by the sacrifice of an animal. The animal took the place of the guilty person, and oftentimes that animal was an innocent lamb. In one particular story, God's people were about ready to leave Egypt after being slaves for 400 years. There was this leader named Pharaoh who had worked God's people into the ground from sunup until sundown seven days a week. And God sent nine plagues to try to change Pharaoh's mind to let his people go. And Pharaoh resisted. And so God gave his people instructions on how to eat a last supper together before the tenth plague. God told his people that he was going to send the angel of death throughout the entire country to kill every firstborn son, Egyptian and Israelite, God's children. And he went on to tell them that the only way for their firstborn son not to be killed was to take an innocent lamb to kill it and put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of their house. And what happened that night of Passover was that every Israelite family took a lamb, they did kill it, and they did put its blood over the doorframe of the house so they could be passed over. Their sins were covered by the blood of an innocent lamb. And their sons did not die, but the sons of the Egyptians who were not covered by the blood of a lamb died. And I have to say this this way, for the importance of this substitution to come across. In each house... It was either a dead lamb or a dead son. It was one or the other. In the houses of God's children, the lamb got what the son deserved. The lamb was a substitute. The lamb paid the debt so the firstborn son didn't have to die. And I wonder, as these families sat and ate this last supper together, if they thought to themselves, the only reason our son isn't dead is because this lamb is. God would go on in the Old Testament to establish a system of sacrifices, but the only problem is that these sacrifices had to continually take place year after year because the blood of these innocent lambs could only cover over sins. It couldn't remove (coughs) sin. There needed to be a once and for all sacrifice that could not just cover sins, but remove the sins of the people. There needed to be a perfect lamb. And this is where the Bible is the most amazing book ever written. It blows me away sometimes how all these stories are tied together. Sixty-six authors over thousands of years. We get to the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke, and we are told the first people who are told about the birth of Jesus are shepherds tending their sheep and lambs out in the fields. Many of their flock were most likely animals that would be used for sacrifice to temporarily cover over the sins of God's people. The shepherds knew the importance of their lambs. And the angels said to these shepherds, would you read this with me from the Gospel of Luke? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And I wonder if these shepherds were speechless. Not just because an army of angels had filled the sky, but the angel had just told these caretakers of lambs that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, could be found where the young lambs were kept in a stable. He would be the one not covered in wool but wrapped in swaddling cloth. And when they found Jesus in the manger as the angel has said, the very location of Jesus birth was drenched in significance. The savior of the world had been born a baby into their unclean world in the same manner as a lamb. The symbolism would not have been lost on the shepherds. And they went on their way rejoicing and telling everybody they could find about this great news. And when the shepherds saw Jesus there, they not only saw why he, that, that he had come, but I think they understood why he had come. He came to be the perfect lamb. The last and ultimate sacrifice. This baby's coming was to accomplish and establish peace between the God of all creation and his people who continually rejected him. I love how 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says this to us. It says, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a what? Sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus was born a baby. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. And after being dead for three days, he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. And listen, to bring us back into a relationship with God, it took a perfect, innocent lamb to die for guilty wayward sheep. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. This is a song of Christmas because you cannot separate the cradle of Jesus from the cross of Jesus. He came to die. The night before Jesus was crucified, he even said, for this reason I came into the world. He was born to die. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. And that word worthy it's the last question we need to answer. Why is he worthy? And that word in this verse also means deserving. And we're told that he deserves everything. Honor, glory, power, wealth, wisdom, strength. And the reason he's worthy is because he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And he gave us exactly what we don't deserve. You know, usually in this world, we, we kind of get what we deserve. Even this whole idea of Christmas is based on that, right? You're either, kids, answer this for me. You're either naughty or? And you get presents based on what you are. You get presents based on what you deserve. And Jesus flipped that totally upside down. When we turn from our sin and when we turn from making other things more important than God and we turn to the cross and what Jesus accomplished on the cross and we put our faith in him, we go from being completely separated from God now and forever, which is what we all deserve, to being brought back into a relationship with the God who created us. When you place your trust in Jesus, you are forgiven. And we taught this to the kids a couple weeks ago. You're not partway forgiven. You're completely forgiven. There's this story of an English gentleman who bought a Rolls Royce. And it had been advertised as the car that would never, ever, ever break down. So the man bought the Rolls Royce at a hefty price, and he was driving it one day when, to his surprise, it broke down. So he called Rolls-Royce, and he said, hey, you know that car that will never break down? Mine broke down. So Rolls-Royce, being the company that they are, they sent a mechanic by helicopter to the location where the man was to fix the car. And so the man fixed the car and went on his way. And Naturally, the owner of the Rolls-Royce expected to get a hefty bill for this type of service. And so after a couple weeks, a bill did not come, and he wanted to get the whole ordeal behind him, so he called Rolls-Royce. He said, "Um, I think you forgot to send me my bill. They said, sir, what's your name? So they took his name, and they were gone for a couple minutes. They came back to the phone, and the Rolls-Royce representative said, sir, we are deeply sorry, but we have absolutely no record of anything ever having gone wrong with your car. Brothers and sisters, this is the wonder of Christmas. For all who come to Jesus and place their faith in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross, the God of the universe looks at you and says, I have absolutely no record of anything ever having gone wrong in your life. You are forgiven, and that's why this is called the good news. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. He is worth our worship. We did that earlier together in the service when we sang to him. Worship actually comes from the old English word worth which means to ascribe value to something. And so we're all worshipers because we all do this. We all ascribe value to something. The main question is what do we worship? What do we make most important in our lives. And the Bible is crystal clear when it tells us that God alone is deserving and worthy of our lives and our worship. So tonight, the question we need to answer together as a family is what will our response be? What will our response be to this lamb who was slain? If you're here tonight, and in the busyness of the season, or maybe it's even bigger than the busyness of the season, because life is just busy. Jesus has kind of just gotten pushed to the side for you, and he's just not the most important thing anymore. It's other stuff. Maybe tonight is when you readjust things, and you allow him to be the most important thing in your life, and you worship him. If you're here tonight, and, and this has been a hard season for you, Will you worship him in the midst of your pain? You may not feel like God loves you or he is with you and it seems like everything in your world is spinning, but I want to ask you, will you look to the cradle and will you look to the cross and worship him? I know this is hard. I I get it. I get it. My twin daughters died on November thirtieth, two 2012, and this has been a hard year one of the biggest things I've learned and this took a long time is that my faith is not based on a feeling my faith is based on what Jesus accomplished on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and there were days where I did not feel like showing up to worship but I looked at that cross and he deserved it and so tonight if you're hurting will you worship him I don't know what it might be a job situation a struggling marriage, sideways relationships, a scary medical diagnosis, the loss of a loved one, will you worship him because he's worth it? If you're here tonight and you're sitting there thinking, man, this is great news for everyone else, but you don't know what I've done. Some of you think that you've done so much wrong that God would never want to be with you and that he's given up on you. And you, you need to hear this tonight. That that is not true. You have never done anything in your life that is too big for God to forgive you. So tonight, will you accept his forgiveness? And while you're at it, will you forgive yourself? And will you worship him? He is worth it. And if you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, Chuck said this earlier, we are glad you're here. Thanks for being here. And maybe this Christmas, you're asking questions about the purpose and the meaning of your life. And I want you to know that what you decide about this lamb who was slain, it has eternal significance. And it is the one decision that will bring purpose and meaning to your life if you're searching for that. There is no neutral about this decision. He is either worth your worship or he is not worth your worship. And we're told that one day everyone will bend their knees to this lamb And the question is, will you do it now or will you do it when it's too late? The arrival of Jesus calls for a response. What will yours be? Will you worship him? Will you worship him? I'm going to invite the team to come back up because tonight we want to give you a chance to respond in worship by singing the words of Revelation 5. And if you're here tonight and you are a follower of Jesus, use this song as a time to declare again that he is worth it and you want him to be the most important thing in your life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus here, maybe this is the moment. Maybe this is the moment where for the first time in your life you declare that Jesus is worthy and you ask him to forgive you and you accept his forgiveness we don't know exactly what this song sounds like in heaven so the best we can do is to put our own music with the words of scripture so we're going to sing this in just a moment but as we begin would you stand with me one more time and read the words of revelation 5 in full voice after having heard how worthy he is Faith family, let's read this together. It says, then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb he prays and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Let's ascribe worth to him right now. God, you are worthy. You are the only true God, the King of all kings, the ruler of this world. And tonight we simply pause to acknowledge you. And we pause to say thank you. Thank you for humbling yourself and being obedient even to death on a cross so that we could be made innocent and acceptable in your sight. God, thank you for loving us Thank you. It was in Jesus' name that everybody agreed and said.